When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's brand new Yeovil Town podcast. Thanks to everyone who tuned in last week and don't forget to subscribe on Audioboom and iTunes. I'm your host Josh Fordham and joining me this week is sports editor Stephen Dalbiak. Afternoon Josh. And reporter Mike Taylor. Hello. Uh, it's been a busy week in the world of Yeovil Town and perhaps some cause for fans to be a little bit more optimistic than they have been in previous weeks. Uh, the Glovers won 2-0 against Crewe on Saturday after back-to-back defeats and their first home win since August. The club also announced on Thursday that an outside advisor will be brought in to, quote, improve the club's fortunes both on and off the field, unquote. This outside advisor is Mark Palmer and his football consultancy business, Insight 63. Stephen has been talking to, uh, to Mark today and you can hear a bit more about that interview and his thoughts on Mark a bit later on in the podcast, so do stay tuned for that. Um, first of all, let's talk about that all-important win, that 2-0 win against Crew at Hewish Park at the weekend. Stephen, how's the game? Very good, very um, promising and uh, much improved performance. Um, I think that they were they were helped in that Crew uh, very much wanted to play football, which you can't always say about teams at this level. Who a lot of them are quite keen to sit back and um, be much more physical, and I think that's credit to Crew that they tried to do that. But it, it left the gaps which you overall needed to play football and. Um, from that point of view, it was very good to see. They took two, you know, two well-taken goals, some very good um, team play, um, three or four more chances that could have resulted in goals, and I think the Yeovil were very, very good value for their win. I think that they were perhaps a little lucky that they went in at half-time ahead because Crew very, you know, had a very sustained spell of dominance just before half-time, but um, but after that, you know, second half, Yeovil got the second goal early on, and um, they never looked like losing it from that point. Yeah, and so, Mike, what did you uh, think of the goals? Um, yeah, I mean, scored? as Stephen said, they were very um, well-taken goals. I mean, um, I mean, I think the first one uh, from, uh, was it Reese Brown, who, uh, you know, got on the end of a looping ball, and he just calmly just finished that sort of... Took, took it really well, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he took it really yeah. well, and I think it's sort of one of those goals that you can sort of lash at and just, you know six yards out and it'd be you know the cold crowd would just laugh at you but he took that really well for such a young uh, young player and obviously Alamana's um, the Southampton only's um, finish was well well taken again I mean the fact that it was quite was it a, was it the deflection was it just a attended smack on the I, I've pulled over this in fine detail and it's, it's no deflection in there he hits it into the ground and it loops over I think there probably is a little bit of fortune in the yeah. way but, but it does Bounce over the keeper, but mm. having said that, you know it was you know you've got to um, you've got to have the shot to, to have any chance of it going in, and yeah, um, yeah. you know it's, it was it was well taken. It, it ended up in the net, and if you're a striker and the ball ends up in the back of a goal, when you've done your job, no matter yeah, how it yeah. gets you. Exactly, he's not going to care about how, how it goes in if it's off his head, shoulder, off his knee. He's not going to care. Goals are um, over, isn't it? it? Exactly, and he's been in really good goal scoring form that so far this season for Yeovil, and has proved his um, his worth as a loanee. Uh, so far, which is um, will be pleasing to Darren, but also Crew did have a few chances in the first half, and Yeovil can count themselves lucky if a, a team with maybe a better finisher in the side they would have punished them, wouldn't they? Stephen? They, they they can, and um, 
Artur Kriziak had to make two very crucial saves in that first half and um, you got to a stage at the end of the first half where as a Yeovil fan you were virtually willing half time to come along because it did only look like a matter of time but they regrouped well you know whatever was said in the dressing room at half time clearly worked because they came out got that second goal 10 minutes into the second half and um, from that point on they they looked comfortable crew could have maybe got a couple of had a couple of chances to get a goal back late on, but they stood firm. And um, it's worth remembering that this was about Sid Nelson, who was ruled out because mm. of um, his nose operation that he had last week. And um, But Omar Swimley came in and he looked very solid alongside Nathan Smith. And there's also um, a lot of credit has to go to Reese Brown because he, he's been in and out of the side this season. He, he's been on the bench for the last few games, but he came back in and he, you know, he couldn't have had a perfect... Um, Perfect comeback, really. A very well-taken goal and a, and a good all-round performance. And um, it's interesting to note that the two other home wins against Accrington and Coventry came with Brown in the side. So mm. he's clearly made an impact whenever he's played. And it's, uh, it's a perfect message from him to Darren Way to, uh, to say, look, I should be playing every week. And um, if that's what he was after, then he, um, mm. he delivered that. Mm. It's, it seemed like a, a much improved performance and much better better team performance and has been in previous weeks I mean do you think that this is um, cause for Yeovil fans to be a bit more optimistic and is could this be a turning point to get the, the team a bit further up the league well surely I mean I think the the goal would be for Yeovil really to get as far as well as they can from, uh, from the relegation places so um, target mid-table at the very least really and just go on from there really um, when you targets things like oh we could get easily get a top half finish I think you can easily is what what is really realistic, and I think um, I think all you need to do is just really focus on the home form. So Abner is just then that's um, um, Yeovil. I've got from seven get seven home games, already got twelve points. I mean that's mm. impressive already. When comparison to away form, I believe it was uh, you know among the worst in the league and got picked up three points away. So it really is a case of just picking up points at home and making Huish Park a, a fortress and make sure the fans keep on. The team side, really, isn't it? I think, I think, on the whole, the home home form in terms of points return has been good. I think if you said twelve points for seven home games, yeah. I think he would take that. However, I think some of the performances in the games at home leading up to Saturday had been disappointing. They hadn't won in four at home. Yeah. They had disappointing draws against Cheltenham and Port Vale and the Colchester defeat, where they didn't really create an awful lot of chances. Which, mm. as fans supporting the home team, is what you want to see. And they hadn't been delivering that. I think it's to their credit that they clearly went away. Yeah. And when worked in training, Darren was saying that he, you know, felt very confident about the training on yeah. Thursday. Yeah, because he said he, they, they were yeah. training every day, weren't they? Um, when the press conference. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they had a really good week on the training pitch, and um, they made it show. I do think you have to be a little bit cautious, a little bit of cautious um, optimism with regards to whether it is a turning point because we've had this before. We had it after the Chesterfield game. We had it after the Coventry game, where you thought there's a real opportunity here for this team to put a run together, and it didn't happen. So. I think it's premature to say this is definitely going to be it. This is definitely where the team builds momentum, but they've had a number of chances to do it. Mm. This one, I think they, they do need to make count because there are tougher games coming up over the next month and the teams further down the table will probably start to pick up in their results. So the further yeah. that Yeovil can get away from that bottom two and really make sure that the relegation is something that's not even being talked about, that's <coughs> going to be the goal in the short term, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think with um, the, the two teams currently in, in the bottom two, they are in danger of getting cut adrift at the moment. I mean, yeah. Forest Green, I can't remember off the top of my head. Who else is... Uh, it's Forest Green on six points, but um, <coughs> uh, Chesterfield are bottom with uh, five points. Yeah, so there, there we go. They're, they're quite a few points behind um, behind Yeovil now. I, I think relegation is 
it's, it's still quite early in the season, but it probably is off the cards at the moment. Mm. Um, just judging by the Yeovil are picking up the occasional win win here and there. So I think they're, yeah. they're doing enough to sort of keep themselves out of it, but they are sort of teetering at the point that if those teams do start picking up points, they could be in danger. But I think you'd rather be in a position where maybe instead of nine points, you're maybe looking at sort of 15 or so, because mm. then you do have that safety net if you do lose a few games where you probably won't be caught. We saw it last year where Yeovil, with I think seven games to go, were 13 points above the drop. It looked mm. like safety was yeah. you know signed, sealed, delivered, and then they lost three games. Newport, who had that incredible run to escape relegation, won their three games, and all of a sudden it was four points with four games to go, and there was a real sense of panic. So it does only take a couple of bad results to go um, against you and for another team to put a run together for that to change. So there is still... Still, uh, still, some work to do. I think we still need to, mm. you know, build that buffer and get a few more points ahead. But I think if you said Yeovil would be nine points clear of relegation zone after thirteen games before the season, I think that's a pretty comfortable margin to have. And I think mm. a lot of fans would probably take that. I think the issue is just some of the performances of late before Saturday hadn't been great, and that obviously naturally causes less optimism than if the team had been playing well. Yeah, and uh, one thing that will worry Yeovil fans um, going into tomorrow's game at Cambridge is that Olamola limped off about what fifteen twenty minutes before the end of the game. Uh, I mean, what did Darren say after after the game about his fitness? Uh, it was very much a sort of we we need to speak to the um, speak to the physio and find out what it is. It's always a concern when you lose a player to um, to injury like. And especially so when it's um, a player who's been so important. It's not the first time it's happened. Obviously, um, Olamola was injured against Exeter in the Czechy Trade Trophy, and he was out. He did make the next game, but then he missed a couple of weeks. Um, and um, it's unfortunate because he he's a really talented young player. He's made a superb impact, and I think all you really want is to have somebody like him fit and available. Um, every week and it's through no fault of his own he just fell awkwardly and um, like he did do some damage but I mean, it's very much a case of the moment of uh, of waiting and seeing I, I would I would probably sort of hazard against you know saying he'll be fit for tomorrow night just because of the short turnover but mm. certainly if, mm. if there was a way that he could be fit to, uh, for the trip to Barnet on Saturday that's probably a much more realistic thing but the last thing we want to do is rush him back if he's not fully fit and mm. risk him getting injured again. You want to make sure that he is going to be ready and um, mm. that, he, that you can rely on him to get through 90 minutes, which I think before maybe he was rushed back a little bit too early and that did impact mm. on him getting the other injury sort of a week, yeah. week yeah. or so later. I mean, I mean, especially the fact that you've got him until January, have you, on so it's short term then. I mean, the focus really is, you know, getting a moment to have him because, uh, you know, worst comes worse. You could be losing, he goes at January and that's it. You won't count getting every loan deal and you've got really got to optimise Olomola. I could have so much talent at league to level and you got to make sure he's fit enough to uh, play until uh, January really. yeah absolutely he will be a big miss because he's um, top goal scorer this season so far he will be now yes he, he went ahead of um, Zoko and Khan yeah and he's proved himself invaluable at this level and he, he will be a big big miss if he can't play and also yeah if um, Southampton decide um, to perhaps send him out to a League One club because there, I think there will be League One clubs who will be sniffing around yeah. seeing he's, he's doing well in a club that's sort of near the, the bottom end of, of League Two. He, they might try and push him into a League One side but there's nothing that, that Darren can, can do Well, I think that, Darren really. does need to sweet talk uh, the boys at well, Southampton, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> a nice little layout, you know? He has tried, he has tried. He's said that he's tried. He's gone on the record and said that he's tried and... Um, 
I think there's really all you can do. I think when you when you're dealing with players that you don't own, you're very much in the hands of uh, the club that does own him. So mm. I think it's whatever Southampton wants him to do is what Southampton gets. I think all all Yeovil can do is keep him playing, keep him fit, and keep him scoring goals, and hopefully make the case to Southampton that look, we've had we've had him for half a season. He's done extremely well. Keep him with us until the summer, and we'll continue to develop him. Mm. And um, that's for the argument. I'm sure they will have. It's just whether Southampton want him to stay in League Two, yeah. and or whether they want to push him into League One or even the Championship in January. Because I have no doubt, from having seen him play, that he probably could play in the Championship, not at the top end, but certainly a you know a mid to lower Championship mm. team. He's certainly capable of doing that. I would say. Yeah. So um, just looking ahead to tomorrow's game at Cambridge, is there any other team news that? Um, fans should be aware of. Yeah, I'll start with a couple of the minor ones um, because um, because there is another bigger one, bigger talking point to come. Um, Sid Nelson had a nose operation last week, which is why he didn't feature on Saturday. Um, not sure whether he'll be fit or not, but certainly I think with a, with an operation, you, you don't ever want to rush him back too soon. I know you can wear masks and that kind of thing, that sort of injury, but that could be one. Um, Jordan Green has also missed for the last two games with. Um, with an injury, so um, there they'll be the two who you're not really sure about. The disappointing one is that Francois Zoko will be um, suspended after picking up um, his fifth yellow card um, late on against Crew, and that that was a really disappointing one because it was um, Ola Moller had already gone off the pitch injured, and it was for a needless handball, really, with you know less than ten minutes to go. The game two 0 you know, as good as as good as one really in that stage of the game and it was really a needless booking to pick up so I'm sure you know, he'll be disappointed with that but it does give a chance to Sam Surridge who will no doubt come in and lead the line tomorrow and um, impress his case because he's um, he's chipped in with a couple of goals himself and um, he's by no means you know a weak link in that team you know, he's he's very capable so it's, um, there's no better opportunity for him than to um, to go and show what he's got Absolutely, and so guys, what are your predictions for the scores tomorrow? I'm going to go to Mike first. Oh, you put me on the spot. Um, draw. Draw, or score draw, or... No, I'll no. go for a score draw, it's League 2, plenty of goals, go on. Well, well Yo- Yo- I think Yeovil's games haven't really struggled for, for goals this oh, uh, no. this season, so yeah, you're bound to be... Both teams to score if you're a betting uh, betting man, I'm sure would be a... Be a good shout, yeah. uh, Stephen. What's your? Uh, I think what's your from a completely outside point of view, I think it will probably be a difficult test for Yeovil. Cambridge are you know, they're a decent mid-table team. Yeovil found travelling fairly difficult this year, so I think if you if you're looking at it from that point of view, it's probably going to be difficult for Yeovil. But we're on a Yeovil Town podcast, you know, you never want to be too <laughs> negative so or pessimistic about it. So yeah. I'll, I'll probably go along the same lines as Mike. I'll probably say a one-all draw. Mm. Uh, so if you do want to catch up with all the latest reaction from the crew game at the weekend do head to the Somerset Live website where you can um, find Stephen's reaction to the game and what Darren said um, after the match and also we've got tomorrow's game against Cambridge away where you'll be able to find um, Stephen running a a live blog on what's happening and also um, sort of reaction after the game Um, so next we should move on to the uh, news that the club announced at the end of last week which I mentioned a bit earlier on in the podcast um, about Mark Palmer and his football consultancy business Insight 63 um, which have been brought in as an outside advisor to the club. Um, Now what we're going to play you is um, a pre-recorded interview that Stephen did with Mark Palmer a little earlier today 
Um, so do take a listen to that. Um, Stephen has asked him a few questions and he's um, given some quite um, quite open and honest answers. So yeah, do do take a listen to that just now. First of all, Mark, um, welcome to welcome to Yeovil. And um, are you able to just give us a brief outline of the role that you're taking on at the club? Yeah, well, thanks for inviting me to come along today. I appreciate your time. Uh, I'm Mark Palmer, Managing Director of Insight uh, 63 uh, Limited. We're based in London. Um, I've been invited by the club owners at uh, Yeovil Town Football Club to come in and um, overview and assess the club's structure in terms of uh, road mapping and how to take the club forward and uh, I'll be uh, working on that over the next coming months, weeks and months to give a full assessment of that and to give my recommendations to them. And um, you, you, have, um, you have experience in football. When you take on a project such as this one, what, what is it in your mind that you hope to achieve from, from that when you, when you come into a new club? Well, I think it's a transparent, honest assessment of a club. And um, I think I've mentioned to you before that um, once, um, once I take a role on, uh, I, will, I will see it through to a recommendation point of view. And I think really what uh, enthuses me here is that uh, I know the ownership are very welcoming in terms of um, they're, they're very interested in my feedback and what I can uh, give them. I think they're open to my recommendations down the line, whatever they will be. And um, I know it's still very early days, but is there anything specifically that you've been asked to look at and anything specifically that you are hoping to, to do with Yeovil as a club? Mm. Well, in terms of the, the first point of the question, um, I'm looking at everything from, from the football side through to uh, the academy, the first team, uh, right the way through to the, the commercial, the hospitality, uh, match day experience for fans. I think that's a very important uh, point of, um, of, of engagement with the club. So I'll be looking at all those elements and I hope to then be able to um, give my assessment and then give recommendations and roadmap the club as I see it through to um, it's um, let's say it's natural ceiling level in terms of the football league. And just done touching on the fans issue because uh, it's, it's no getting away from the fact that the ownership of the club have come in for some criticism from the fans over recent times. How committed are you to to engaging with the fans and making sure that it's their wishes are heard as much as that of the owners? Mm. Well, I'm very I'm very committed to that, and uh, I'd welcome um, a, a, a communication and. Um, Discussions with the with the fan groups. Uh, I think that's being organised at the moment for me, in terms of certain sectors, and I think we put feelers out as well to to the various different um, fan groups and fan forums um, in terms of being able to do that. One of the things that um you say that the company offers is um, possibility of finding investment and potentially even the stage of facilitating a takeover mm. of the club. Is that something which is possibly on the radar at Yeovil? Well, it's early days. Um, I haven't really been able to assess uh, the, the, the club. I mean, the first thing that I do when I, when I come into um, a club is to look very much look at the football side first, which I think is important. It's the, the heartbeat of the club and it's, um, you know, how it's the outside, outward image of the club and how well it's doing. So, you know, I've, I've um, met with Darren and uh, the, the coaching staff and, and, the, and some of the players. Um, very enthused of what I've seen there. My role over the coming weeks will be to look at the business and the wider format and um, if I feel investment is needed and that the ownership is open to that which I have indications that they, they, they may well be um, then I would recommend and put that um, that process in place um, but there has to be a structured plan from the club which I can help with in terms of presenting a vision to make it viable for for investment in terms of exit strategy and ownership 
Um, that really depends again on the current owners and on how they view my, my assessment, I guess. But you can certainly say that you haven't been brought in with the intention of ensuring a quick fire sale of a club or anything along those lines. No, no, I haven't. No, I mean, again, that may be the outcome. No, I wouldn't say quick fire because I think the, the, the club's in a solid state scenario. And again, I wouldn't get involved in firefighting uh, situations. But if, you know, if I did advise the ownership that maybe an exit strategy was, was the viable way forward, then um, they can only listen to what I've got to say and um, I can then help move that strategy forward. Um, but my main concern at the moment is making sure that you know that is, there's a proper assessment of the club and looking at the structure of the business, which um, they're, they're very keen for me to do. There's one other um, aspect I want to touch upon, and that is the, the land around the club, because um, mm. Norman Hayward has had legal charges put against the, um, the land at Hewish Park. In his name is um, the ongoing talk of development here. Have you been brought in with, um, with any eye towards any potential sale or development of the land around Hewish Park? Not as a specific remit. Um, what, I, what I will do is I will look at the land as part of the overall business structure and the, the structure of the club because it is an asset for the club. And uh, very much the way I get involved with such issues in, in previous consultancies is that um, once I see an asset for the club like the land issue is to ensure that the, uh, the money and the majority of the uplift if, if there is a redevelopment um, that's decided upon goes back to the club. And I think that's a very important um, message to point out there as well that um, you know uh, it's not we're not here or well, I'm not here to to do a land sale and take the money somewhere else. So you know it's it's part of the club asset as far as I'm concerned. And you can give a guarantee to all of the Oval fans who who watch this interview that um, that you, anything that you recommend or anything that you do while you're at the club will be done purely with the long-term interests of the club at heart. Absolutely, yeah. So that's that's why I'm 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 here. Uh, is to give the owners an honest assessment, but also, you know, for the club going forward, very much part of that as a as a football fan myself and uh, having worked for a number of clubs. Um, yeah, I'm very much behind that and I can give that guarantee. And just on anything that you do recommend or anything that you see that does need changing or anything that you feel could be improved, how are you going to ensure that those recommendations are taken on board and are acted upon? Well, what I can do, and again, I wouldn't have taken on the role if I felt that um, after a number of weeks of work that I wouldn't be listened to or that wouldn't be recommended. I think you know that's been discussed up front, and there are certain things in place that will help assure that whatever I present to the to the club, they'll seriously look at and hopefully take on board. But I can't, you know, like anything, you can't guarantee that's going to be 100% listened to. But I think I, I I wouldn't have got involved if I didn't feel confident that um, that wasn't going to be the, the case. And just finally, you've had a short mm. time being able to assess the football side of things. Yep. So I understand that you, you were around um, to aware of the result of the weekend as well. So what's your first initial thoughts been of the football side of things? I, I think positive, actually. Um, I think, you know, Darren's a good manager. From my point of view, Darren's a good manager. I, I've met with Darren. I've been involved a little bit behind the scenes with, with him and, the, and his uh, coaching staff and, and the squad. Uh, I think Darren, his, his preparation for match, match and training is absolutely meticulous, which I think is, a, is an important part to, um, to any club, um, you know, trying to uh, get, a, get a team together. Um, I was at the game on Saturday and I think they played, they played well. The, for me, a clean sheet was, was really good uh, and I think it was a good second half display. So, you know, I think positive things really. Um, I think the, the, the team are behind me has the dressing room. Um, it's a young team. As, as, as we all know, but I think that um, you know they can only benefit as, as the more more games they play, the more benefit will be. 
Brilliant, Mark. Well, thanks very much All for right. your time. Thank More you for than welcome. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Cheers. So, Stephen, um, you spoke to Mark a bit earlier on today. Um, what were your sort of impressions of what he had to say? I find him very, um, very open, very willing to talk, which um, it was, uh, it's very, um, very welcoming because I think when, um, when the news came through, I think there was a lot of talk about who exactly is this, who exactly is Mark Palmer, who exactly are Insight 63. And um, I think naturally, you know, it's it was only normal for there to be some scepticism and cynicism about exactly what it is that he wanted to do, particularly because there are the long running issues over the land and over investment. And it, you know, it sparked all these kind of, you know, all this talk and all these, um, all, all these concerns really. So it was good to be able to put those to him and to get answers. It's reassuring, certainly from, from a fan's point of view, for, for him to come out and say that under no terms is this, a quick fire sale or anything it is very much a long-term project he's going to be thorough he's going to assess everything that's going on at the club on and off the field and then he's going to report back his findings to the owners the i think there there has to be some element of um cautiousness about it just because it's very much uncharted territory as far as the club is concerned we we don't know exactly how it will end um they are very much recommendations he's putting back to the owners and at the end of the day it will be down to the ownership whether they take those concerns or those recommendations on board. So what will come of it we we don't know at this stage but certainly I think it's encouraging to to hear him talk and certainly talk about sort of the sustainability and the long-term future of a club and just how essential that is. He's been involved in football for several years and you know, from speaking to him privately he's, he's gone through some of the stuff that, that he has done as well and um, there certainly doesn't seem to be any reason to be unduly worried or concerned at the moment it's still early days but I think it was uh, it was very encouraging to hear him talk of course only just words but but that means a lot you know he, and, and I think full credit to him for coming out and speaking you know publicly and um, openly about what he's doing because I think that certainly helps everybody to know what is going on and um, and it makes sure that it's not really sort of done under a cloud or there's nothing nothing like that because it is you know it's out in the public domain what he what he's going to do and um he's promised that where, as in when there are updates he will provide them on the record as well so um i think from that point of view it's uh, it's quite a, it's quite a good um good positive thing yeah absolutely and he he's been he was quite open and honest which is you, you don't often get that in football um, a lot with these sort of people coming in and also I wanted to um, pick out one one thing that he said about um, when he met Darren and um, some of his backroom staff um, he was quite impressed with um, with, with Darren as, as a manager in the way he was meticulous in his planning which um, you do sometimes get that across with what sort of the, sometimes brings up stats in his um, press conferences but it's good to hear that I suppose from someone who's um, involved in the business and has um, sort of been around a bit um, to look at the managers from an outside perspective and saying that I think he's a good manager he's a good young manager and he's sort of very diligent in his planning so I think that that's quite quite good to hear and I think Yeovil fans will be encouraged by that I mean Mike what do you think that um, Yeovil fans will want Answering what 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 questions will they have for for Mark and and what will they want to What's know? The investment they put into the club really, um, how they develop the ground, how they develop the club really. Um, just general answers really, because I think when you get new investment coming to the club um, at any level, whether it be Premier League or eight tier of English football, you always think 
okay, this man's come in, what is he going to do to my club? Um, a lot of people can be quite anxious, have a lot of anxieties about um, how, uh, about this man, uh, man out of nowhere coming and uh, assets stripping the club. But um, but the, the I think what your fans want is just a club that's stable, financially stable as well, performs well on and off the pitch really, and they um, can and they grow as a club really. Because I think obviously the other town obviously in the past few years have been going up and down divisions. Now I think a lot of the other fans think, okay, well if we can get someone who an outside investor to come in and uh, give us a bit of business advice, maybe that could, um, you know, have its benefits and possibly get the uh, town I'd lead to really. And yeah, see how it goes really. Absolutely, I think what you said there about um, improving the the fortunes on and off the field is yeah, yeah it's definitely one thing that um, Mark and um, and the club have come out and mm. and said that is what they want to do and what Yeovil Towns what mm. that, that is what what they want they want some stability they want to know that the club is financially secure and they want to see the club performing better than than it is I, I think there are two key things that he said which I think you can take encouragement from sports the first one is I asked him specifically whether all his recommendations and everything that he is um, proposing and everything that he will come back on and um, report to the board will be with the long-term interests of the club um, mm. in his mind. And he categorically said, yes, 100%, that mm. would be the case. Which he didn't have to do. He could have given a, he could have given sort of a PR, you know, sort of a question, sort of yeah. which mm. he didn't do, to mm. be fair to him. And um, he, also, um, he also is very clear in saying that he... One of the things he will do is identify where he sees the over time's potentials being in terms of the football pyramid and putting in place a long-term plan to help the club to get there. Mm. Now, what that is, he says he doesn't know yet because he hasn't um, had much time in, in and around the club mm. to be able to assess that. But if you're looking at where the club has been in the past, I mean, they made the championship, maybe an unexpected, but they, they made it there. Yeah. There are clubs of the oval size that have made it there. So if he says look, this has the potential to be a championship club and this is what you need to do to get back there, then mm. that would be, you know... Yeah, that's that, 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 that would be yeah. ambition. It may not be achievable, it may not happen, but I think to, I think one of the key issues, I think, that fans have for the board at the moment is that nobody's come out and specifically said, we want to get back to the championship and we're determined to do that and this mm. is how we're going to do it. And it, if somebody comes out publicly from the club's point of view and says... We want to get there. This is what we want to do. This is how long we think it will take. Mm. We know it won't be an easy task, but we're committed to doing every, everything we can to try and make this club a championship or a League mm. One club again. And I, I think that, that, that would be a, a sign of ambition that hasn't happened yeah. for, for some time. And um, I think just that sort of statement, with you know, if they could present it in a way that fans believe them, it would make a big difference, I think, to the perception of the club from from among the fans mm. because I think one thing you want to see is you want to see ambition you don't want to see with the club having fallen as it has in the last few years sort of almost like a, just an admission that you know we're, we're a League 2 club now we want to stay in the Football League because they've been much better than that in the past they've been much better than that in the last few years and all you can really hope for and all you, all you want is for them to try and get back to that point because if they've proven it can be done then it can be done again, mm-hmm. and I think that's what that's what you want to see. Mm. I think it's been interesting as well. I mean, he's supported Darren Way. I mean, and he credited how they how his setup was. And I thought it was quite interesting because we're not going to ignore it. But there has been a lot of social media speculation about way in, way out. Um, so it's 
it's I think from the overall sound perspective, I think it's quite impressive that he's come in and he's said, yeah, he's given the he's effectively given the back into the manager and he's given him a few more weeks and obviously then that can obviously not only give uh, Darren Way a bit more uh, confidence and just hopefully that then uh, put onto the team and uh, get some more performances in. That was really interesting what he said about Darren Way, yeah. I think it was the fact that Mark Parry did come mm. in, he came in and he, he was willing to be interviewed and credit to him. He could have come in and been interviewed and just not really given any answers, yeah. but he didn't. He did answer our questions and he... Um, and he had he did come out and say things like about the manager, like you said, which he really didn't have to do. He did no. it because he chose to, and um, I think that's refreshing to see because all too often in any form of journalism, as I'm sure you you've experienced oh, yeah. countless mm-hmm. times, a number of times you just want simple answers to simple questions, and people aren't willing to give them. It it can be very frustrating, and that's something which um, which I did find very refreshing about him. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And you can watch the video of um, Stephen interviewing Mark. Um, from a little bit earlier today on on the Somerset Live website on the Ovaltown tab, um, and read about um, sort of what he said there and sort of and more reaction as the the story progresses as well. Because I'm sure there will be updates as mm-hmm. as as we go along to what um, what Mark's findings are. Um, so yeah, do keep keep a check on the Somerset Live website for um, all the updates. Um, next, I think we should just give a brief update on how the Ovaltown Ladies Crowdfund is going. They weren't in action this weekend, um, so we can't sort of let you know how, how they did there. Um, but the crowdfunding is, um, they, they started it a couple of weeks ago now. And I looked yesterday evening, and I think 57 con- contributors um, and just under £2,000 um, is what they've um, raised so far. They do need three hundred and fifty thousand pounds, so it's still a long way to go. But it is early days, so um, like I said last week, do check out the the crowdfunding page and do give whatever you can. We'll put links again um, into the story about how you can donate and yeah, just give whatever you can and support this this fantastic team who um, are being threatened with um, relegation from from the top flight. So yeah, please please do that. Okay, um, next let's go on to FA Cup draw. Um, it's the FA Cup draw tonight at, I'm going to say, 8 o'clock? 7 o'clock. Getting a bit ahead of myself or behind <laughs> myself. Um, so, Yeovertown are in the draw um, along with League One teams. Um, and the ball you want to look out for is number 48. That is Yeovertown's number. Um, so, so, Mike, first, who do you think that, um, who would you like Yeovil to get? Um. It's a bit of a difficult one, really, because um, you know you you get a league you get a league one side, and you might you know find it a bit of a difficult one. You might get a league two side, and you might and you might not and you might find a struggle. But then again, you'd argue say, oh, I'll get get a nice home tie against a, an eighth tier or seventh tier t- uh, side, and then um, and go on from there. But the thing is, the FA Cup is such a banana skin, especially in the first round, especially it's your first time into the um, couple of season that any team can be a bit of a, a banana skin for you really mm. um, if anything I would like a home tie for Yeovil Town I, I hope for whoever they get they are beatable because at the very least I think Yeovil <laughs> need a cup run really not only for the financial boost really but also just to give them a bit more confidence in the mm. team and uh, advance and you know again like what we had a few years ago we uh, set up a Glomer tie against United at Hewish uh, Park and um but I don't. I'm, as long as it's a team that's winnable, I think uh, 
I think your other fans are going to be really too happy about that. Yeah. That's fine, really. Yeah, so Stephen, who would you prefer, a, a Haybridge Swifts or would you prefer a Blackburn Rovers? Well, I think if they're a Haybridge Swift sounds brilliant as long as it's at Hewish Park because, you know I mean, I... I wouldn't have a clue what it's going to be like up there. I think there's that, but also I think when you, if you get a draw, a team like that, and Shaw Lane of the other sort of real unknown mm. team, I think that mm. you know that have really gone from under the radar. There, that would be a horrible, horrible place to go. Not just for the distance involved, but also the fact that that is going to be by far the biggest game that that club has ever played. And the facilities as well. And yeah, yeah the atmosphere, everything's going to be against mm. you. It, it sounds great on paper to say, yeah, we'll get the, lo- get the lowest ranked team, but really, I would want to be as far away from that as possible. I'd personally like you able to get a home tie, and probably, I'd say against a League 1 or a League 2 team, purely because, from that point of view, it takes away the expectation that you have to win. And we saw last year that Yeovil got a fair, looked like a fairly routine game against uh, Solihull at home, and it tripped them up. So mm. I would say, you know, from a point of view, I think a League One team at home wouldn't be a bad draw because it takes away that pressure that you have to win. If you get beaten, then yes, it's disappointing. I know everyone would like a cup run, but essentially you've just, you've gone out to a team that on paper you'd be expected to lose to. Mm. If you manage to beat a League One team at home or beat a League One team and knock out a higher ranked team, then the confidence that will give you going forward will be could be massive. Mm. And it's also worth noting that the way that when the draw or when the first round of the cup is, it will come off the back of two straight home games because mm. you've got Chelsea in the Chatter Trade Trophy on Wednesday, followed by Stevenage on Saturday and then they've got the game on Saturday. So if they could get three games at home, and we know that home form has definitely been where they've been stronger this year, then I think that that, would, um, that could benefit them going through into the league games going forward. Because I think what you don't want is you, you don't want a game that looks easy on paper, especially a non-league team away from home, because it might, in theory, sound like it's a great draw, but in reality it's um, altogether mm. different. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a bit of a difficult one with the FA Cup for me. I mean, it's great. It's a great competition and the potential, like like you said, but the banana skins that can happen. It makes for great viewing for for the neutrals. But looking at it from from a Yeovil Town perspective, yet yeah, do you want a cup run and get to maybe the third or fourth round and get a, get a big team? Yes, it would provide a financial boost. But then you've also got to think, well, that's an extra four four or five games, not including replays into the equation with an already very thin squad and then you've got the different competitions that that you're in, in as well so it could put pressure on, on Darren Way's squad I think one of the lesser one of the lesser things that maybe went a little bit under the radar because it was such a fantastic occasion for the club is that when they played Manchester United they actually lost two of their key players that season in Kevin Dawson and Simon Gillett to long-term injuries as a result of playing in that match mm. now had that game not happened then you could argue because it was the year that you over went down from League One would they have actually potentially even stayed in mm. League One without that game and you yeah. could probably make the argument based on how important Dawson and Gillett had been to that mm. team up until that point but actually yes they could now I'm not going to say that the Manchester United game should never have happened because it was such a great occasion it was one that anyone who was there will remember for the rest of their lives it was a it was a real you know unique opportunity for them to play against probably the most famous name in English football at Hewish Park but 
you, it does put into perspective the drawbacks that you can get from a cup run because you know in financial terms and in prestige terms it can be massive for you and it can be a real boost. But if you have a small squad like you've alluded to, then it then it does put pressure on mm. it that you perhaps wouldn't get if the league was your sole focus. And mm. when you're in Yeovil's position and you look at what the goals and the aims and the expectations of this season are, it has to be on making sure that the league position. Is a, mm. as secure as it can be and there is always the danger that with a cup run that you can be distracted by that and actually the league form suffers as a result which I don't think you can really afford to have happen in this in their current situation yeah absolutely I mean just just one final thought from from both of you I mean you've got the FA Cup and there's the the league cup um, which whatever they'll rename it next year, and then you've got the Checker Trade um, Trophy. Do you think we, especially for teams below the Championship, do you think there are too many cup competitions? I would, re- I would say, without a doubt, there are too many cup competitions in England. Um, Checker Trade Trophy, I think, at the moment, is abomination <laughs> yeah. of a competition. The fact, <laughs> they've, they've, the fact that they've, I think, how it was before this whole Checker Trade and whole. Um, introducing Premier League against 23 sides I think Absalom was alright um, you can see why it's been done but now it's a complete mess of a competition which I don't uh, rightly fans aren't really giving much attention mm. to you've got the FA Cup I think that it should be the it's main an institution isn't it yeah, yeah. everyone looks forward to that and the magic of the cup you get non-league teams being able to get yeah, play like teams like Man United That's they're, they're, they're always great great occasions yeah. yeah but I will say as well the League Cup as well um, which again, especially this season's well, has become an absolute fast as well. It's been a shambles. It's this been season. an absolute shambles. And the fact <laughs> is, as well, I don't, the only reason why you have it, I mean, I, I say, I've been saying this for years, but the only reason why we we have it is because of the TV money. Because mm. no other, um, no other um, league in Europe has a second cup competition. Mm. Maybe lower down the league because they do, but they don't have. You don't see, you know, uh, Juve play. Um, and play another cup competition. Mm. They don't play Lazio in the in the Italian League Cup, for example. Yeah. You know, they have the they have the Coppa d'Italia, and that's it. And then, yeah. then that should be the same in England, really. Mm. I think my views on this have been the same for yeah. years. I think you can get rid of the Czech Trade Trophy tomorrow; nobody will miss it. And if you can mm. find me one fan who actually cares about it, then I'm the Pope, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's just a complete waste of time, particularly since they've changed it. I know it. I know it can make some money for the clubs, but to be honest. You know, as, as fans, unless you actually get near the final yeah. or get to the point where you're actually at the final, then it, it doesn't really register with you. Yeah, I, exactly, think yeah. I, I, I would get rid of that altogether. Yeah. I would change the League Cup so that Premier League teams don't play in it and make that just a competition for Football League clubs. Yeah, Because then you give the teams, at, particularly Championship and League One level, you give them a chance to win a trophy and to get to Wembley, mm. which, you know, that is a plus side of it. But then you take away the problem for Premier League clubs you don't take it seriously because they see it as a waste of time and you've obviously got the teams in Europe obviously like Chelsea you know Arsenal and all that they're on the Champions League and Europa League mm. yeah. and, and the, the League Cup is a distraction and you can just basically forfeit by just playing a, a lot of youth players in and, and just then say, you oh. get teams like Bradford into the final Yes, and things, things yes. like that so, so well, that, yeah. that's what happens yeah. Um, so yeah I think 
I think your your views are echoed by many people around around the country. And um, just going back to the FA Cup draw, there's one other uh, team from Somerset who could potentially play. They've still got a replay to get through first, but Bath City um, are ball number 67. They've got to get past Chelmsford first um, before they can get in there. Just another couple of um, balls to look out for. So Blackburn are ball number four. Uh, Charlton, ball number 11, obviously former Premier League club. Um, I don't know why you mentioned that. Oh, I don't know why. Well, well that'd be your home, your perfect home time, wouldn't it? Be you know, Yeovil versus Charlton. Oh, you know, be, go down it'd be amazing. Yeah, be great that. Um, then ball number seventy-two, Truro City, um, and also ball number eighty, East Thurrock United or Ebbsfleet. So um, there's a few to look out for. A few potential banana skins for um, higher up clubs. Um, so yeah, I think that that'll be all for now. So thanks to everyone who has listened um, so far don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Audio Boom and also to check out the Somerset Live um, website um, for the latest Yeovil Town news but thanks everyone for listening take care guys thank you nu de Samsung S9 Plus voor een genadeloos lage prijs check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.